from the woods uh, trails rock podcast um we're here to celebrate uh, black history month and, and diversity in the sport of running today or maybe we'll get to that point of where we talk about maybe the lack of diversity in sport um and we have a guest with us today that's gonna um, talk a little bit about diversity in sport and a little bit about his own running and ultra experiences and um just spend some time celebrating running together so we have um jordan brooke with us tonight uh, welcome. Yeah, thanks. Good to be here. And um, we, I guess we could just jump right in, right? So, like, Black History Month is, like, it's it's popping right now. There's a lot of stuff going on, um, but not necessarily in the sport of running. Um, it's Running's not really a mainstream sport yeah, <laughs> to begin yeah, with, yeah. right? Not in the U.S. anyway. Yeah, not in the U.S., <laughs> if you, but if you go to other places, you'll see some really cool stuff. Um, but some of the greatest stories that I've read about, like, the history of running uh, come through some of our black athletes. And, and then even if you look at like our Olympic teams and our top caliber runners in every sport, including mountain ultra and trail, you'll see, you know, African-American runners and black runners just succeeding, but we don't see it locally. So we'll touch base a little bit on that. Do you have anything you want to jump in? And Yeah, sure. So why don't we start off, just tell us a little bit about yourself and maybe your history here in Rochester okay. and with running. Okay. Um, so I grew up in Rochester, New York. Um, we lived uh, over in the South Ledge area, and then we moved out to the suburbs um, and went to high school there. Um, so born and raised in Rochester. Um, and then... You were uh, a soccer player, right? Yes. I was just going to yes, ask, yeah. yeah. Yeah, Originally soccer, soccer player. Tons uh, of running. Yes, yeah. <laughs> and we would always have, our fitness test would be the, the Cooper test, which would be a two miles under 12 minutes. Right. So... I was never the fastest sprinter. I was never the strongest, uh, but I would. I always thought to myself, "Well, I'm just gonna outrun you. <laughs> uh, you just keep you, going, yeah, until you just give up, and then you know, then we win the game." But uh, but I remember just really sweating the Cooper, and I was like, "Man, I don't know if I'm gonna do well on this fitness test. I don't know if I'll make the the varsity team." So I think that summer I just started. There was probably about this was before like Garmin's and Coro swatches. <laughs> yeah. I just had. I, I remember I drove the route in my little Beater 87 Volvo, <laughs> and I, I tested the mileage on it, and I was like, okay, this is like 1.8 something, so I'm just going to run this until I can keep running it faster and faster and faster. So that's what I did, and then I showed up to uh, preseason, and then just ended up running like 11.15, um, um, two mile, and the coach was like, what were you doing all the time? I was just doing what he told me to do. Yeah. Just, just, I was just I was, running. Yeah, yeah. I was just running. Yeah. So then I think that's when my I kind of got into distance running. And, okay. Um, so the force comp. I just yeah. like running. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. And it was just like with running, I thought it was great because well, I think it is great because the work, the time, the effort that you put into it, you're going to see the results. Yeah. Mm -hmm. More time than not. 
That's so funny. I was a soccer player also in high okay. school. Okay. And when we first met Eric and I, okay. he was like, we should go to the track. And I was like, you just ru- like no yeah. ball. There's yeah. no yeah. goal to score. You yeah. just run to run. And I could not fathom it. And now I'm, I love it, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, that's very cool. You just needed someone to chase. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but your experience from when you got into running, though, did, did you see a lot of people that looked like you? Um, as far, I think another big motivator too, there was, um, my father's Ethiopian. So I guess it's like genetic, (laughs) maybe not. I just think maybe it's just somebody's like crazy enough to keep doing this, but it was, it was kind of the time I think the, uh, the Olympics was going on and, um, I think it's, yeah. Gabriel Selassie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He, he like was crushing his marathon records every year. And I was like, Oh man, I gotta be like him. If I'm like not number one, then this is just like, like shamed my people. And so I was like, you know, I just got to go out and crush it. And that was like another thing too. That was like some type of intrinsic motivation there. Uh, that was like, I can't, I can't be number two. I can't be number three. I have to be number one. And I can't just be number one. I have to be like crush everybody else. I was just yeah, going to say that's way a, better yeah, than everybody. Yeah, that's a, a heck of a runner to, yeah. to look up to. I mean, yeah. he, it was everything from like the 5k through the marathon. He just yeah. didn't lose for years on end. He just yeah. was so dominant. Even as he got like into his forties, you would see him. He would look a little bit old out there, yeah. and then he would just pull away. And everyone. it was like, how is he just yeah. so consistently so good? Um, I was reading a story about a guy named um, Frank Hart. He was he was okay. born in in Haiti in 1858, okay. and there was a sport they called it pedestrianism in the 1800s. <laughs> it was apparently incredibly popular. Like you could win like. Back then, we, we looked it up today. He, in one event, he won $27,000, which is the equivalent of $650,000 today. Yeah. And wow. he was even allowed to gamble on himself. So he made, really like, wild. he made like an <laughs> extra five hundred dollars to $1,000 on, on betting on himself That's to do crazy. well. But it was like the early days of ultra running. And um, they just would do like, it was like a six-day event. And like, how far can you go in six days? And like... He was like, oh, that sounds like something maybe I'd be interested in. And he didn't train at all. And he went like, you know, 425 miles, like in, in a circle in like Madison Square Garden type of thing, like oh. just walking around on a dust circle and like 20 or 30,000 people would come to this and there'd be side bets going on and, and all kinds of cool things. And he was just like one of the only black folk partaking in it. Yeah. And he even had a mentor whose um, name was, I think, Dan O'Leary and instead of celebrating Frank for being Frank, they called him black Dan. Like, cause he was Dan earlier. He's like mental, like mentee. Yeah. And like, even like at the beginning of the sport, like he was just crushing it, but like people wanted to like give that attention to somebody else. And it was just, it's a really fascinating story, but reading about the sport of like pedestrianism and how it has turned into like ultra running today is like fascinating yeah. to yeah. me. Like, I mean, he would go, they had 12 hour events and 30 hour events and six day events. You see that stuff still kind of exists and it's in a new world now. Like we have a couple of six hour and eight hour races that we put on. Um, and it's really interesting to see like where it came from. And like when I was researching about this, I was like, look at this. And I'm like, this is fascinating. Like 20,000 people watching a, you know, a five day event. Like, can you imagine? Yeah. <laughs> like people just going in one little circle. Like Madison Square Garden is like full of people watching people walking. Yeah. <laughs> So when you, so, so you had this summer where yeah. you practiced for this test yeah, yeah. and then from there, did you continue running or? Uh, I, I kind of kept 
running because one, until I got into college, I played soccer in college too. Mm-hmm. Like it was still part of the fitness test. Yeah. Um, as a soccer player, I think it's that testing is pretty outdated. Um, but they still, I mean, where do they still do it? Yeah. That, mm-hmm. I'm not sure if they still do it at the universities. Since, you were at yeah. University of Buffalo, right? Yeah. 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 University of Buffalo. Um, they actually cut the program maybe about five or six years ago. Oh, they cut the funding for it. So, but uh, I'm not sure if they're still doing it. Maybe somewhere else. Yeah. yeah. But, um, but yeah, I think the running kind of kept with it because there was, I think my style of play as a soccer player, um, it was pretty high intensity. There was, I had to like, cover a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. So I knew if I was running like around 11 minute, two mile, like I was in good shape and I could play the style that I wanted to play. Um, so I think it kept up in college, but obviously my focus was still soccer yeah. and, um, you know, the technical stuff that goes on with soccer. But, um, I think it definitely went on pause for a bit mm-hmm. because I was like, ah, I don't want to be like a skinny runner anymore. <laughs> like, let, me, let me try like some bodybuilding. Got to bulk up. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so then I think there's probably like a, a good couple of years where I just would focus on weightlifting, um, and all like the Olympic deadlifting and stuff like that. Yeah. And then. I don't think I kind of rekindled that running um, maybe around like 2019 was when I really started to get back into it. I feel like almost everyone I know at some point or another, as much as they love running, has that little, like takes that little break a a little bit. Like it's really interesting, like especially people that ran like competitively in college. I think once you become an adult, it is so hard. Unless you're a professional level, it's you can't maintain where you were as a college runner, right? You you don't have the practices, you don't have the free time, all that right. stuff. So I think it's easier to take a little break from it and then yeah. come back to it with a fresh set of eyes. Yeah. Yeah. I guess too, like as you get older. Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah. do you still play soccer? Um, I noticed that I pick up too many injuries. Playing <laughs> <laughs> I think um, I played. They pick up over at Rochester Sports Art Garden. Yeah, we yeah. did that for a little game. bit. And um, I don't think it was, I think I did my knee really bad probably like mid October and I just gained lateral movement like within the last two weeks. Oh, geez. <laughs> so, but you can always go forward. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> it's not going to really hinder the, that, but like I can run in straight lines. Yeah. You ever dealt with any running injuries? Um, Just more so, well, yes. Well, uh, short answer, yes. But that's more so like <laughs> I would just. When I was first starting running, I would have a lot of hip issues, yeah. hamstring issues, but it's just me like pretty much sprinting like a three mile every, <laughs> every other day because that's what I thought I should be doing. Yeah. And then it kind of slowly kind of. But, you know, I think there's sometimes when you do stuff like that, like when you don't know what you don't know, you can find like a certain level of success of just like you were talking about earlier, like that consistency. Like yeah. if I do this every day. I get better at it. Yeah. yeah. And um just doing running like that. I always talk to people a lot about a lot of folks want to run ultras, but they don't want to move fast. And that's why they want to do ultras. But I always feel like if you were to run the shorter stuff faster, then the longer stuff slower gets a little bit easier and you can like move through quicker. Yeah. Yeah. So, but a lot of people just move right up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So you run at least one ultra, right? What's your experience there? You did the Saranac Sixer. So explain that. What is that all about? So, (laughs) This was uh, ambitious on my part and my part. Um, I really wanted to do the, uh, I think it was the battle at Bristol. Yep. Um, I really was looking forward to that. Um, I was, when I started trail running, it was like 2019 and getting into running. I was living in Washington. Uh, there was like the best trail running out there. 
And I was like, you know There's what? some good stuff out there. Oh, fantastic. Um, and I was like, when I get back home to Rochester, let me do this battle of Bristol. So it was, for, it was training consistently for it. And then COVID shut, everything shut down. Yeah. Right. Um, and then I was like, I was really like itching for a race. I'm like, I don't know where my fitness is. And I was like, you know what? I was just like Googling and I, I found the Saranac 6. I was like, yeah. oh, this looks interesting. Uh, I kind of read more into it. And I was like, you know what? You might as well just give it a go. What's the worst going to happen? You don't <laughs> fall, break your leg. You know, <laughs> Whatever. Um, but yeah, I, uh, I called up one of my friends, Desi, who's a, who's a nurse also. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, do you want to be like my trail manager? Like, do you want to just kind of like drive around in my car? <laughs> that I found out later that didn't have air conditioning. Like, oh, oh no! So Were you there? Is, you doing this in the summer? This was like August first. Oh, okay, right, right like in the summer. 80, yeah. 80s that day. Yeah. Um, uh, I didn't tell her about the air conditioning until later, but uh, <laughs> surprise. Yeah, I was just like, I just wanted you to make, I just want you to make sure I don't die, um, and just kind of like, if I'm starting to act really delirious, yeah. <laughs> just kind of like cut me off it's good that you had somebody that's like a trained medical yeah, person yeah. with you yeah yeah so and then she's like all right yeah why not let's do it why yeah. not let's do yeah. it yeah. <laughs> had you ever done anything like that before no never never ever so the saranac six or what is it right so there's six yeah. mountains what's the what's the goal yep. there yep so this so you have six peaks and i think i'm not sure the elevation on all of them um, but the goal is to do them all within for the ultra all within 24 hours. Right. Um, so I was like, ah, I can't just be a six guy. I just got to do the ultra. Just do it. <laughs> um, go so, big or go yeah, home. Right. So I, I looked at like other YouTube videos, what other people have done and kind of picked and choose. I'm like, ah, I don't know. Kind of saw, uh, saw what, um, some things work for other people. And I was like, oh, I kind of picked and choose and kind of created my own plan with it. Yeah. Um, and you can kind of pick your own route, right? There's yeah. there's no order. It's just, you have to do all six and then get back to the middle of town yeah. by ring, ring, within 24 ring. hours. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then ring the bell. Obviously. And ring the bell. Yeah. Did you have a favorite mountain? Uh, yes. I would say Ampersand. That's a really Ampersand. good one. Yeah. Ampersand is probably my favorite. Do you have a least favorite? <laughs> Ooh. Um, Scarface. The Scarface. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I like ampersand. There's some really cool views from from the top of ampersand. Um, yeah, yeah. And then I think a couple of them, they're kind of like tree filled summits, right? They don't even have like anything. It's just, yes. hey, <laughs> here I am, I guess. There's a disc yeah, that yeah. says you made it. Yeah, yeah. And then you had to go back down. Yeah. So did you end up doing battle at Bristol? No, I never I never got into it. And then I think I kind of I think my, my transition with trail running was like hiking. And then I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do this faster, <laughs> and let's just pack less and just like be a little more risky. <laughs> yeah. And because like now you have more skill set, you have more, a little bit more confidence. Right. And then it progressed to now I've I've been doing more so road running now. Okay. Um, do you have any races or anything planned for this year? Um, I was I was looking forward to doing the Boston 5K. Uh, my girlfriend Amanda is doing the Boston Marathon. Okay. So we're all going down for that, but nice. I missed the registration window for that. Um, but um, I think the next one that I have scheduled is um, Running of the Green, the five mile. Oh, nice. awesome! Yeah. Used to be Johnny's, now it's owned by uh, Rochester Running Company. Yep. Yep. Yeah, it's a cool event. It's a good event. It's a lot of fun. We accidentally put a race on the same day 
I know. Yeah. Sorry, John. We're always like trying to support John. And then we have our last runner standing event this oh, that cool, day, which cool. is a really cool race. It's like every loop, it's one mile, and okay. every time you have less time to finish it. Oh. So it starts at like 20 minutes, okay. then it's 19 minutes, 18 minutes. And so like there's like strategy involved on how do you want to run that yeah, race. Yeah. But for some reason, we're usually the weekend before running on the green and i don't know how it happened we ended up on the same day and oh, no one on the board caught it yeah. like we just made our schedule publish everything and then john was like hey do you guys want to come out and help out and, run? and i'm like oh my gosh like, same day I'm like i felt so i'm like i'm <laughs> so like, stupid <laughs> so um so running on the green is awesome so is that kind of like you, you had mentioned the Boston 5K? Is that kind of the range you're trying to look at right now? So you did this huge yeah. ultra and then you're like, yeah. oh, yeah. I want to, maybe yeah. I'll get faster. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think with the ultra, like I'm still, um, I still miss my mountains out west. Yeah. So um, I don't know. Maybe I'm just holding out until we kind of like take a vacation out there or something. But yeah. um, I haven't found too many things out here that have kind of, Elicited the same response for me, just like that aha moment. Yeah. Um, so I don't you know, should I look at many light. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, where we run down in Letchworth, and we we take in all the overlooks and all the single track down in the oh, park. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it's really it'll, it'll be so it'll be yeah really on the beautiful. peak foliage day is when it's going to happen in like, this October. It'll be the first year for that race, but that's only twenty miles. I say only. Yeah. So that's not well. That's not I'm an like, ultra. Here we go again. We were, we were talking about ultras, <laughs> right? So that's not an ultra, but there's there are plenty of ultras around that, that have some cool stuff but so had you done like any races before you did the saranac no ultra? no <laughs> and i am um i actually brought um that's a awesome. gopro with me and i was just kind of like i kind of i kind of i mean there's a lot of things going on with like the social movements um and you know I was, I was pretty burnt out with covid and going through grad school so a lot of things were just going on in my head and i was like i kind of used it more so just kind of I think it kind of helped with like my therapy mm -hmm. and just helping me clear my mind um and just kind of like peeling black back the layers with of like what's what's really going on Jordan and just kind of like really break you down because once you're really broken down you can really figure out what's going on yeah. what's really at the root of things um and just I, th I feel like there's a lot of clarity and that's i think that's another reason why like, I, I enjoy running so i agree yeah we have to take a, a real quick break we'll be right back All right, we're back. We, we keep having technical difficulties. Our second episode with technical difficulties, but we're back. It happens. Um, I guess that's to be expected when you do something new. So where do we leave off? Who knows where we left off? <laughs> we're, yeah, we were just talking about Saranac. So um, in the in the little break we took, we were just discussing like fueling and nutrition and the fact that Jordan, you had never really done anything like this before. So it was kind of like flying blind a little yep, bit. Yep, yep. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was quite the experience because I, I had no idea what, what goo was. I had no, what, <laughs> any, uh, any, any idea what like in race nutrition was, yeah. um, because all the running that I had done, it was like obviously shorter and just water and, you know, mm -hmm. some little glucose here and there, but, um, but yeah. a man after your own heart, he brought with him Skittles. Skittles. Yeah. <laughs> that's how I used to run. Like when I yeah. first was training for like yeah. my first marathon, that's what yeah. I would eat was Skittles. Yeah. Um, I'm still a candy yeah. when I run eater. Mm -hmm. So um, would you do something like that again? Do you think? Um, yeah, I think. Um, yeah, I th yeah, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, we were also talking like during that break about how running sometimes can be 
kind of like therapy, I guess, like therapy with yourself where Mm -hmm. you really, I mean, when you're by yourself for that long, especially you. Yeah. Did you see see many people out on those? Sometimes they can be a little lonely, but were they busy that day? Oh, there were. Yeah, there was was actually a good good amount of people out there. And we got a lot of, uh, there's one of those crazy runner people. I was just going (laughs) to ask what people's reaction was. That's funny. Did you see anybody more than once? Um, yeah, there, I think another guy was doing it and I remember I was like, oh man, I think I just beat him on that one. <laughs> and then I was like, did he do it? I wonder if he did, uh, I think it was what Baker, the last one, I wonder if he shot over to Baker and just kind of like thinking to myself, I never got his name or exchange information. I just want to kind of use that as fuel as like, keep going. Like, oh, you can't, you can't lose. You can't lose. Yeah. As if there was something to, to win there. <laughs> Your pride, just yes, straight yes, pride. Yes. Well, now there is. If you do that, you can do it as a solo or a, or a relay on the same day. The relay option that kind of sounds neat to me because yeah. then, like, you can you can go as hard as you want because yes. you only have like one mountain to do. Yeah. And then if you have friends that are like, some might be like better long distance runners, they can do the longer mountains. And like, mm-hmm. is it Baker is really short, I think. Yeah. So it's like maybe take your your best like sprint style runner. You're yeah. going to do Baker yeah. up and down as fast as you can yeah. do it. Some strategy Yeah, involved. and just figure it out. But you were out there just grinding all day. Yeah. How long did it take? Did you get the under the 24 hours? Yeah, I think it was like maybe 12 and a half. It was like 12 and a half, 13 maybe. Yeah, so you got them all done. Then you went, drove downtown, rang the bell. Yep, yep. I, I think that's the most calories ever consumed in one sitting. I think it was, yeah. So you went somewhere and had food afterwards? I think I had three full meals and I was <laughs> I was still hungry. Well, you didn't eat anything but a couple of Skittles. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah. Skittles yeah. and water. Yeah, yeah. That's so funny. Do you think you would ever do an ultra event, like just a straight ultra race? Uh, I, I think so. I think it just... I think the ultra running definitely takes a toll on my body. Yeah, and for sure. I think there's like a good amount of strength training I probably need to do and mm-hmm. kind of just kind of taper things off. Um, like definitely do get back into more like Olympic style lifting and then kind of slowly taper off and then get in, get back into it. Yeah. I think the, that kind of lifting is really impactful for runners and not a lot of runners do it. Um, Cause you're looking at so much of that stuff is engaging your core right mm-hmm. so you're those muscles that are going to lift your legs up and over a log yeah. late in a race or that are going to be able to take the impact as you're coming down a hill and you're you know when you're exhausted like you were talking about how your legs just like felt like rubber when you yeah. were doing that the saranac right it's mm-hmm. like being able to have a base that can handle that kind of building is is important i think in running i talk about it all the time but not a, not a lot of runners do it yeah well especially if you're in love with the running parts mm-hmm. and then you ignore like all of the cross training that you probably should do to make sure that the rest of your body is staying healthy. Right. So, so let's talk a little bit about, um, kind of the diversity in sport, right? Like we're trying to celebrate, um, black history month here today. And we, I told a little bit of story about some, some history of, of a really cool, um, black runner that, was just doing awesome things before we even really knew what was going on. But we don't see a lot of um, people of color in general, not just black folks, but people of color in general in Mm -hmm. the running community. And, um, you know, we sat down as an organization, we tried to look at like, um, why does that happen? And like, is it even something we should be looking at? Because like, those questions come up, right? Like, people are like, well, why do you want more black people running? I'm like, well, I just want more people (laughs) running. Like, I think it's like, we talk all the time about the community aspect of running. And like, how you can just, if you go out for a run with someone, 
even if it's just like three or four miles the and you're talking that could be 30 to 40 minutes of just yeah. nonstop conversation and you really get to know people yeah and yeah. i think for me at least one of one of the challenges that we face as a society is that we judge people but we don't really know, know them, them. Right. and running right. gives us an opportunity to know people but right. we don't we're not seeing that opportunity kind of cross racial boundaries yeah. right yeah. so like why is it not happening what could we do about it what are all those sort of things i don't know if you have anything you want to no i think i mean i think that that kind of covers it and it's a i think a tricky conversation to have mm -hmm. um like i think about marginalization and being excluded from things and that doesn't feel good yeah. so then i wonder if it's something that we are doing or not doing that makes mm -hmm. people not want to be around right, or if right. it's just an an access thing yeah. or you know people don't even know that trail running exists yeah, yeah. so i don't know if you have any thoughts on yeah. any of those um, things i think i think it's definitely multifaceted there's a ton of variables that go on yeah go into it um i think i know i guess we can kind of attack trail running first i mean like most trail running obviously are going to be in the woods yeah right and there's like you know there's like a like sayings that like you know, hiking's for like white people, hiking's for like black people, right? Yeah. You always, you'll have that conversation presented to right. you or that, that background presented to you. But I mean, I think that's, that's so sort of more sort of like subconsciously ingrained. Maybe mm -hmm. I, I'll just speak on behalf of like black people or people of patient or people of color. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I said patients. I work in health. <laughs> but <laughs> we're not in nurse mode. <laughs> but uh, people, um, but, uh, but yeah, I think it like just stems subconsciously from the fact that like, you know, look, going back to like the 50s and 60s, mm -hmm. where like, only white people can go here, only black mm, people can right. go here. Like, are you gonna go out to the woods, where there's no cell phone reception and run around? Yeah. Right. right. And especially like in the fall, like in hunting yeah. season. Yeah. I'm like, I mean, I don't know, I, I still cringe a little bit too. Yeah. Um, at like, going kind of off the, the beaten trail and getting out into the trails too, especially during the fall. Mm -hmm. um where you know hunting is very prevalent around here mm -hmm. right um and whereas like so much for like for example was like when i was in washington nobody's hunting you know past the tree line or stuff like that mm -hmm. yeah so um yeah i think it, it's definitely you know it's something subconscious like deeply ingrained as far as that um but more so with like that with a hiking so if i think if you saw more black people more minorities involved in hiking I think that might be more so our gateway into trail running. Mm -hmm. we, we had a moment of excitement kind of during the initial phases of the pandemic mm -hmm. where everything was kind of closed. And so yeah. everybody went to parks and trails yeah. and we were yeah. like, this is great. Like, look at what's happening here. We're yeah. going to, we're going to introduce this sport. And then the pandemic ended and everybody yeah. just kind of went back to what they yeah. did. Yeah. It ended, right? <laughs> the, the pandemic yeah. restrictions ended yeah. Yeah. and we just kind of went back to, um where it was before and it was like oh did we miss an opportunity there to introduce people to something because we mm -hmm. couldn't put on mm -hmm. events while they were interested in it and it's like is it an accessibility issue or like so like is it that you know people that live in menden know that menden ponds is there with all these trails as yeah. opposed to people that might live on genesee park boulevard and i'm, I'm stereotyping yeah. myself yeah. here oh, right yeah. like yeah. Yeah. but there what trail is there Right. right there's a paved river path right that that people participate on but right. that's not really trail running as yeah. we sort of want to define it right. right right so is that an issue in, a, in itself too is like yeah. location yeah i mean i think that like just with rochester you can draw pretty much lines of where the black neighborhoods are the yeah. white neighborhoods are and 
you know, a lot of the money is pushed out to the suburbs right. to like the nice green area. So, I mean, aside from Cobbs Hill, I mean, there's not many trails in downtown Rochester. And I mean, a lot of the, the predominantly black neighborhoods, um, I mean, I don't know if you should be running, you know, after dark because right. it's very, very, uh, low income areas that mm -hmm. are, you know, are suffering. So, I mean, like, I don't, think running is at the, the top of their, their list. Of, of well, right. Yeah. So like that might be like this is accessibility issue, right? right? If you, if you're sort of struggling to make ends meet a $170 pair of Saucony trail right. running shoes yeah. might not be something yeah. that you're interested in yeah. <laughs> or maybe you're interested, yeah. but it's yeah. not something that you're yeah. going to take your, your splurge yeah. on. Right. Yeah. 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 We so. talk about that a lot, just like the privilege of being able to run. Like you yeah. have the time, yeah. you have the know-how, you are comfortable going to, for yeah. a run, yeah. you are able to purchase yeah. whatever gear you need. Yeah. Um, people that run races, like you have the disposable income to pay for a race and maybe yeah. you're doing a race out of town. So you're traveling yeah. and you're getting a hotel. Like, yeah. you know, the sport is a relatively affordable sport, mm -hmm. I guess, like, mm -hmm. you know, compared to a lot of other sports, but also... Yeah it still costs money and time yeah, that yeah. people don't always have. Yeah. yeah. We, we talked a little bit, I'll, I'm going to put in the show notes, uh, there's a podcast or a, a, just a website called the 99% invisible. Um, and they talked a little bit about the comrades marathon in um, South Africa. Oh, and you okay. know anything about it? No, never heard of it's it. It's a 56 mile ultra. Okay. Um, some one year it's downhill, then the next year it's uphill and it rotates. But South Africa was, I mean, with apartheid, it was completely segregated. Right. Mm -hmm. And they touch on when that sort of started to fall apart and people of white and black, they're there together on that day. And yeah. it doesn't seem to matter to anybody. It's like this huge celebration. And it's like, does the sport need something that can be that celebration that everybody yeah. participates yeah. in? locally like what like to to listen to the people from south africa talk about that event talk about the community aspect of it and like being part of something bigger and we put this aside for the day and we do this thing it's mm -hmm. like it's kind of a neat thing to see and i'll put that in the show notes for people to take a look at but but then on the flip side yeah. it's like almost performative if you're only yeah, doing it one time true. you mm -hmm. know what i mean yeah. like i don't know like you want acceptance on a, a bigger scale than that right yeah 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 <laughs> so uh, and then i guess the other question is like is it something should should it be something that we target right. in terms of like do people even want to do this because it does exist it is out there yeah, yeah. do they just not know do people just not know about it or is it just hey, hey different people have different um like. interests yeah. and that's okay yeah. too right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like i don't know what do yeah. you think um i don't know like i think that you could i mean like why i mean i guess you could say basketball is pretty prominent in like black culture. Sure. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, you look on, you know, every school, make sure like you look, there's a basketball court, right. you know, there's two, three basketball courts. So I don't know if you, uh, maybe if you stick nice trails in the middle of the city right. or where these basketball courts are, um, more so in, in black neighborhoods, or, I mean, maybe even, um, I, when I, for example, so when I lived in the South wedge, we also, uh, my sister and I, we both partook in the uh, urban suburban program. Okay. Mm -hmm. So that really, I think exposed me to a lot of different things in the outdoors. Mm -hmm. Uh, like my friends would say, Oh, I'm going skiing this week. I'm like, I'm going skiing. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Or I'm going cross country skiing or I'm going snowboarding mm -hmm. or I'm going hiking or yeah. I'm going snowshooting. I'm like, I have no idea what that is. 
but I'm gonna be better than you. So. <laughs> <laughs> but I will beat so, you. <laughs> so Deb, I need you. I need you to buy me this, this, and that. And you're like, okay, go ahead. <laughs> have fun. Go have fun. But um, I don't know. I think once we, I guess, bridging that gap mm-hmm. uh, between the 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 urban setting and the suburban setting, and kind of expose the outdoors. Be like, hey, like the outdoors isn't just for white people or light skinned people. It's for everybody. Um, it's cool to be out here. Like you can do this or mm-hmm. some, uh, sort of educational thing. Yeah. We, I work, uh, I work for the center for youth here in Rochester and we have a really cool program. We acquired it a few years ago, but it's called earthworks and, um, we're, we're all over the place, but we have a, a bunch of programming within um, some of our schools in the city. So school 12, school 33, oh, cool. um, maybe yeah. school 45. But the whole point is like that experiential outdoor education yeah. experience, right? Yeah. So like, the other day it was like cold and gloomy and like they took the kids at school 12 outside to like Highland Park is like right yeah, there. Yeah. And these kids like were jumping in puddles and like running around <laughs> and just being outside in, mm-hmm. in nature. And like there's a little ice rink down there and it's kind of like a swamp area. So they're yeah. like studying that. So like all through the different seasons. And I guess exposure is so important. Like yeah. exposure and like mm-hmm. representation, those two things are like so important. Like do you have an opportunity to know about this thing that you might like right. and then do you have an opportunity to see people that look like you doing the thing yeah. that you might like because yeah. it might be hard for someone to be the only one that right. does that thing right. right and then you get like where we come along and we're like would you like to talk about that thing you know <laughs> and, and like those things happen right yeah, yeah. so like within the sport like being able to be a place that people feel welcome is really important to us yeah. um we always say things like you know Every, all pace is welcome, mm-hmm. but does it feel like all people are welcome is a question that we should ask yeah, ourselves as yeah, well, right? Yeah, yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's, like you were saying, it's mm-hmm. so multifaceted, and yeah. I think there's just so many angles to approach this from. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I just, I hope that as a Rochester running community, we can kind of move forward and try to find ways to bridge yeah. those gaps and yeah. bring people in um we did some cool stuff with jonathan um a couple of years ago there were a number of runners that lost out on like their senior season because of covid and we were able to raise some funds and um, jonathan gave us a whole bunch of extra stuff Mm -hmm. he gave us a whole bunch of extra stuff we found a, a bunch of seniors from the RCSD that we're going to continue running in college, whether it be oh, track cool, or cross country. Cool. And we said, we want you to be able to train through this summer when nothing else is really available, but right. not worry about the cost of it. So we were able to get them some um, shoes, sneakers, socks, shorts, like, like how can we help this progress through? And I thought about at the time, like, what does it look like for our, um, our high school programs? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, does running end for, for them when, school ends you know like it it might seem that way for a lot of folks there's not even a every school doesn't even have a cross-country team most of them have a track team but not even not all of them have a cross-country team and there's just such an opportunity there to like experience this sport on a really cool level like when you go to those big cross-country and track meets they're really exciting and they're like just people milling around Mm -hmm. and getting to know each other Mm -hmm. and like you didn't run cross-country but we got all of your little siblings into it and so we got to you know, you get to experience that through them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just kind of want everyone to be able to have yeah. that opportunity yeah. that, that we had. So 
I don't, I even considered like, should we have like a youth program and like, what would that look like? How do we get yeah. people to the parks and, yeah. and are people comfortable families? Like, who are these people that want to take my kids into the woods? <laughs> like, what does that look yeah. like? You know, yeah. like the way this organization started was just four of us, four guys meeting up for drinks. We yeah. had never knew what each other looked like. And she was like, what do you mean you're going to go meet some guys for drinks that you don't know? Yeah. So like, I was like I, that's a little sus. But if I think yeah. about yeah. it, even from an adult perspective, she was, she was worried about it. I'm like, what would it be like from a parental? But there are programs, right? So like yeah. Monroe Milers exists. Mm -hmm. So that's a program where there's like a adult led coaching and they, they practice weekly mm -hmm. and then they Girls culminate that with a, with a run. There's, there's girls on the run. And then there's even an organization. Um, it's a Buffalo Rochester chapter and it's called okay. it's black, black girls, girls on the run, I think is what it's called. Oh, cool. Um, so that's happening. And then starting next week, celebrating black history month, I know that they're the, the employees at L3 Harris. So it's L3 Harris employees of African descent. So lead. Okay are hosting a, a 5k that will, it's a virtual 5k, but it runs cool. from February 18th to the 26th to celebrate black history month, but it's called the lead the way 5k. So I think things are starting to happen yeah. locally to like bring people into the sport. So I'll put the information for that race as well in the show notes and maybe for, um, girls on the run, black girls on the run, those, those things, Monroe can go Milers. In the Monroe Milers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, what do you think about like what a youth program would even look like? Yeah, I don't know. I, I think when you're saying, like, when you're describing those programs, too, it's like, hmm, I'm trying to think, how did that, what, what was, did I have something similar in my childhood? But I was thinking of, like, all those camps my mother would send me to at um, RMSC. Mm -hmm. Oh, um, yeah. And they take you out to the woods yes. and they're, like, you know, and just experience that. Yeah. Um, I think that definitely, maybe, like, looking back, like, yeah, that's definitely affected me why I, you know, appreciate the outdoors and, mm -hmm. you know, would like to experience that. Um I think those education and starting young with everything. I never even considered it before, but you just said that through the R RSMC camps. Like we have our earthworks camp over the summer. It's yeah. like, like weeks long camp. Yeah. It's like a, almost like a day camp type thing. We could literally partner with them, put on a, a short race for, for students. They're already in the woods. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like yeah. I didn't even think about it until you just mentioned it. Here I am yeah. putting races on all the time. Yeah. I think that there's like so many little pockets too of people yeah. and groups that are trying to do things like mm -hmm. i know um this summer i actually taught um up at braddock bay so it's like okay. right around the block from here um but the audubon society the genesee valley audubon society had grant funding to bring kids from the rec centers downtown okay. to come up and yeah. learn about um like basically the waterways of rochester and watersheds and what yeah. it means and um you know it was super fun like we had a great time um i think the kids learned a lot <laughs> i think so i helped out a couple of days i yeah, think they learned a lot um, but i think they had a lot of fun and i think it's it's good for all of us to experience mm -hmm. things that we don't necessarily experience right, every day right. like not just city kids coming out mm -hmm. to the burbs or out yeah. to like a rural area but yeah. also you know kids who grow up in a rural area grow yeah. coming into the city and yeah. experiencing the city because like we talked about earlier um if you don't know things yeah. and you haven't experienced them, I think yeah. it's a lot easier to make judgment calls about right, things. Right. Um, but yeah, so I, I don't know. There's also this like new concept of like, what do they call it? Like forest bathing. Have you heard about this? Mm. There, there, it's a lot, it's a whole new research subject right now about just being outside 
in a forest, which just a yeah. wooded area, really. Yeah. It it's equivalent of like any of the like antidepressant meds, yes. the, yes. the therapeutic yes. stuff that yes. you go it's through. Really just being outside is mm-hmm. better than even being on that. It's like yeah. a whole concept. I mean, there's it's yeah. a lot more detail. You could probably yeah. have a whole episode yeah. on that. Right. But, um, being able to offer that to students that are, or even just adults in general who are yeah. usually hyper stimulated by technology yeah. and yeah. don't spend a whole lot of time outside in yeah. nature, right? We might like drive, leave our car, our house, we get in our car, we drive to a building. Right. And, and then, then from that building, we <laughs> yeah. like go back to our house. Yeah. yeah. So giving, and students do the same thing, right? So all yeah. of our students in our schools, their days kind of look like that too. So an opportunity to get out into the woods to me is like, hey, can we do this for people? Yeah. So I don't know right. what that would look like long term, but I think we want to try to do stuff like that for people. Yeah. For with sure. with yeah. people, not for people. I think language matters too, right? Yeah. Like yeah. How we talk yeah. about what we talk about matters. Mm-hmm. So what else you got? Anything over here? No, I mean, I'm just thinking about all of these things. Like I'm so I'm a teacher mm-hmm. and okay. a lot of our schools in the city don't have even good outdoor space for the kids right. to go outside. Mm-hmm. So even like aside from having trails or the woods to go into, you know, there might be a little field and a little playground and that's it. Yeah. Um, and again, like the research shows that being outside is so yeah. good for people, all people. Um, so just thinking about, I guess, how that looks, you know, when we'll go to like our friends, kids things, or even like when my siblings were younger and they were still mm-hmm. in school, we would go to their things and, yeah. their sports events even and just see the the difference in outdoor space yeah. between yeah. suburban schools and, and the RCSD. I mean, some of the RCSD schools do have really yeah. nice outdoor yeah. spaces, especially I think there's becoming more of a focus on that now. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just, I mean, the inequities just there yeah. are really jarring, yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, I've got a few things I'm going to ask our get our listeners to do today. So there's a few runners that I want them to to look up. Um, so um, Joe Gray, I'd like people to to look him up. Um, he is a, a mountain runner, um, 28 time American champion type of runner. So look him up and, and take a look at his story. But then locally, because we're a local podcast, um, look up a few people. So Trent Jackson. Um, introduced to the Rochester Athletic Hall of Fame in 1970. Take a look at um, his running history. And then there's going to be a few um, other things that I'm going to sh- toss in the show notes that we can look up this, you know, like I talked about the Black Girls Run. Uh, but Territory Run Company has a story about someone named Charles Brown. Um, so I'm going to put that in the show notes too and ask people to take a look at his story and how he found running kind of later in life and what it means means to him. So some some cool names that we can sort of share and talk about as we talk about uh, the diversity of our sport and how we can celebrate that this month. So um, anything you want to add before we log off for the day? Uh, no, no, it was great. Uh, thanks for letting me share everything. It yeah, it was great having you here. We would love to have you join us for one of our races. So we'll, yeah, we'll get you yeah. our, our calendar and yeah. then um, take a look and maybe see if we can give you something that made you feel a little bit like you felt out west yeah yeah (laughs) all right well hey thanks so much for joining us and uh we'll be back next week next week is um valentine's day so we're gonna talk about um, love and running and we're gonna have a a couple that runs together on the show with us next week so until then have a good night yeah thanks for listening adios all right 